If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. I'm trying to get the video feed. There we go. Good morning. If you're watching on video. Okay, so yesterday we had day number one of the Supreme Court hearings for, excuse me, well, the nomination hearings for Amy Coney Barrett. And again, um, mostly what I saw, predictable sort of things. We have folks who are effectively uh, using their time for political grandstanding, folks that are using their time uh, to talk about a lot of things that are not really relevant to the process. We have Kamala Harris out there. We have Chuck Grassley reminding us as to what we're really looking at here. But what's really What's really at stake here? What is really and truthfully at stake here in the Supreme Court in this nomination process? You heard Amy Coney Barrett explain a little bit about her judicial philosophy. You heard her talk about the rule of law. You heard her talk about the role of the Supreme Court justice, the seat that she would be filling on the courts, and we've talked about these things um, as we've led up to this, but I just want to remind you as to what is really at stake, what this is really and truthfully about. The radical left uses the Supreme Court. They use the Supreme Court for political purposes. The Supreme Court is not supposed to be a body that creates law. In fact, we're watching we're watching some of the things go through the court system now, some things pertaining to the election. Wisconsin, there was just a victory in Wisconsin um, because a judge arbitrarily extended extended the deadline for which ballots could be counted. Ballots, he said, could be counted up until I believe a week after 
the election. Forget that the legislature is responsible for setting those rules. Forget that the legislature clearly identifies and defines what the voting process should look like, including when uh, when ballots can be counted, which ballots qualify. I mean, folks, there have to be rules for elections. Again, I've said before, we are a half step away. We're a half step away for, from the radical left wanting to count votes just by having people drive by the local courthouse and yell out their window as they drive by, vote for Biden, boom, tally that baby up. Add that to the list. They want no rules. They want to be able to interpret it or to to enforce whatever they want to see for whatever political purposes they serve without being questioned, without being held accountable to the American people. Now, another court has since stepped in to say that's not going to be the case in Wisconsin, but we still have other states that are doing this. Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania. There's others, I believe, as well. Those are all just swing states. Michigan, by the way, folks, a judge had ruled there that ballots should count up to 14 days after being received after after election day, I should say. After 14 days, two weeks after election day, ballots should still be able to come in and and be counted. I mean, it's it's remarkable to think. It's remarkable to think what sort of opportunity that creates for existing voter fraud. I mean, there have been examples. There have been examples of all sorts of issues with mail by voting. I'm not talking about absentee voting. That's largely that's largely safe. I'm talking about mass vote by mail stuff. Everyone gets a ballot. Ballots going to the wrong places. Wrong addresses placed on ballots, dead people getting ballots, all sorts of stuff like this. The state of New York is now sending out a second round of ballots because the first round of ballots, they said something was wrong with those ballots. So they tell people, don't fill out the first set, fill out the second set. Well, you don't think anyone's going to fill out the second set of ballots? What's going to happen to those ballots? Are they still going to still going to get counted? I mean, it, my point in bringing this up is that the judge, the, the judicial system in our nation is supposed to interpret the law and to apply it. If they don't like the rules or if they foresee a problem with the rules, it's not their job to fix it. It's simply to say, look, the law says this. There could be a problem here. Legislature, you might want to take a chance, take an opportunity here to fix this. This is kind of a kind of a case in point as to what a Judge Amy Coney Barrett Justice, Associate Justice Amy Coney Barrett would look like on the court as we compare and contrast her against that sort of judicial philosophy. She says it's the job of the justice, which is, I think, a newsflash to the radical left. A newsflash, the job of the justices on the Supreme Court is not to simply intervene and to create, implement your own personal policy. That is not the job of the Supreme Court. And it's amazing to me how many people have no idea about that. It's amazing to me how much people are clueless. And I shouldn't be amazed, and in some senses I'm not, but it's still it's still quite remarkable to hear some of the stuff that I hear and am subjected to, whether it's through the media, 
through actual news media sources, whether it's through the radical left and those posing as representatives in the United States Congress, whether it is presidential candidates like Joe Biden or maybe it's Kamala Harris. For all we know, it's a Harris-Biden administration, as he told us. But Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, they refuse to tell us if they're going to pack the courts. And by packing the courts, that simply means increasing the number of justices on the Supreme Court so that they cannot uh, so that they can implement their policies once again. Forget the way that it's supposed to be done, that the way that it's been done for 150 years. Forget all of that. Forget the fact that the American people have voted, they have spoken. By the way, they have spoken for this president and this Senate, the ones that are going through the confirmation process now. It's not as though they were silenced four years ago when given the opportunity to cast their ballots and decide which president would be picking Supreme Court justices. In that case, in 2016, it was to fill the seat of the late Antonin Scalia. They chose Trump. In fact, many people said they chose Trump. <laughs> Sorry. I'm watching Trump dance on the stage <laughs> back here at a, at a Florida rally. We have Fox News on in the background. But anyway, anyway, I digress with that. So this is, we're looking at fundamental, this is fundamentally American stuff that we're watching happen in the U.S. Senate. And you have two political parties, one that is diametrically opposed to the other, one who wants to have judicial activists implement their liberal ideology because, candidly, folks, liberalism doesn't win when it's on the ballot. That's why Joe Biden – that's why Joe Biden is silent about some issues. That's why, by the way, did you see Biden has out, is out there asking Democrat senators not to press Amy Coney Barrett about her Catholic faith? Now, whether Biden really cares about that or not, I don't know, but I do know this. I do know this. Biden and Kamala Harris do not want Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court. But they also believe, according to polling, that Biden has a higher percentage of Catholic supporters than does President Trump at this point. Whatever you want to make of polls, I'll leave that up to you to determine uh, the accuracy and veracity of said polls. But anyhow, anyhow, this is, uh, you know, they, they don't, we have two diametrically opposed ideologies up here. We have folks that want to hide behind, uh, you know, not not tell us what they think about things like packing the court. We have folks that don't want us to really understand their policies. They tell us that the uh, Biden says that Trump has done so much wrong with COVID. Trump has basically caused he's personally responsible for 200,000 deaths effectively is what we've been listening to. Mike Pence points out at the vice presidential debate last week that Biden has plagiarized plagiarized the Trump plan for battling coronavirus, which is something Biden has some experience doing, as we know, going back into the 1988 election when he was actually humiliated for stealing speeches, passing them off as his own, and then saying that effectively that who's to say if I copy someone else's speech or not, these are all just ideas floating around out there and I can just say the same thing verbatim, verbatim, pass it off as my own. Biden didn't see the, I guess, the problem with that back in 1988. But anyway, the point is, 
The point is, this is now the battleground. I've said before that we are in a cultural, political, well, a cultural civil war, and politics is the battlefield where this is being, this is being waged. And folks, I want to see, I want to see unity and healing in this nation. But I am telling you, the first step is to achieve political victory. I'm not saying political victory at all costs. That sort of thing is the. I am to some extent, as long as it's law, uh, moral, ethical, and legal. <laughs> when when Biden and the left says victory at all costs, they mean whatever it takes: counting ballots, stacking, uh, you know, stacking the ballot boxes, that sort of thing. Counting ballots that come from mysterious places weeks after the election. But we must return to a nation that believes in the rule of law. We must return to a nation. That understands that as free people, certainly we have all sorts of opportunities at our fingertips, but we must never forget that in addition to those freedoms, we also have we also have personal responsibility. We also have personal responsibility. The founders wanted a moral people. <gasps> Gasp. <laughs> Today it seems as though immorality is actually praised in this nation. It seems to be that the more uh, that you can be, I don't know, vulgar and, and things like that, the more attention you receive, the more that uh, the, the more that you embrace just morally bankrupt uh, bankrupt ideologies, at least on the radical left, the more that you are held up as some sort of a savior. And I'll tell you, communism is, is in the midst of that communism is communism is morally bankrupt in its ideology yet we have leftists turning to that ideology on a regular basis believing believing in fact that those ideas that are antithetical to the american way of life american system as founded this nation is founded ideas that are the opposite the antithesis of the American ideal. Those ideas are now embraced by the radical left. Those ideas are embraced by the radical left. And we are in the midst of a nonviolent at the moment, minus Antifa, whatever they decide to set on fire today, whatever rioters decide to burn down this afternoon or whatever they decide to protest. Protesting is one thing, but protesting to the point of violence and rioting is something altogether different but whatever they decide to protest to the point to the point of burning it down destroying it etc those things are they, they permeate our culture today they permeate every aspect of our ability to function as a whole society we have to politically defeat that we have to politically create a scenario whereby people who engage in that sort of behavior face consequences legally and to where those folks who engage in that are dissuaded, if you will, from furthering that sort of behavior. We must get back to law and order. We must get back to the Constitution. We must get back. We must get back to those founding principles that make I, I make America great. And dare I say, dare I say, we must get back to God as well. And I've got to take a break. Talk a little bit more about this Supreme Court uh, nomination process in a minute after this break. 
including some sound bites. Sit tight. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, 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 so we have this hearing again. Let's let's recap what what's going on here. What we're dealing with here. We have a Supreme Court vacancy that has been created by the tragic passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, of course, a... I mean, she is a I, just just a, a, a an icon for the left. There's a, there were action figures. I'm sure there still are of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a movie RBG. And I'm not criti- I, look. I'm just saying that this is this is important to the left. They now talk about this vacancy. Um, as though it's they, – they said it was her seat, remember? Of course, she did hold the seat, but it doesn't belong to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Clarence Thomas's seat does not belong to Clarence Thomas. Antonin Scalia's seat did not belong to Antonin Scalia. They served. They served and they filled vacancies at the pleasure of the president and of the Senate at the time that they were confirmed as justices. And again, they're – Jobs, their responsibilities are to interpret the Constitution and to apply the law as it was intended, as it was written. Words, of course, mean things, words that are written into laws or into the text of the Constitution. Actually, believe it or not, it's shocking, I know, for radical leftist tunes in this morning, they may be shocked to realize that words actually mean things. When people take the time to Record said words onto parchment or paper or into computer systems today or wherever, into their cell phones. It doesn't matter. Words are actually used to communicate ideas and concepts and the way that the law should work. And so the justices, the justices on the Supreme Court, when faced with questions about how to apply a law to a case, they interpret it and try to do such. Now, I actually listened to, oh, the senator from, Republican senator from uh, from Louisiana, drawing a blank on his name at the moment. It'll come to me in a second. But anyway. Kennedy. Yes, Kennedy. That's right. Thank you, Oz. Republican senator. By the way, entertaining guy. Never know what he's going to say. But anyway, he was talking yesterday questioning very kindly of course republicans it's it's funny to watch this you've got republicans using their time to applaud and praise the justice and say nice things about her family and so forth and then the the left comes up and talks about uh, how terrible in fact um i mean kamala harris basically sounded like we're one step away from our country falling apart if we nominate Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett, if that is actually confirmed. Not just, she's been nominated now. 
now she's in the process of, of confirmation. So anyway, anyway, this is the process. This is how it goes. There's a lot of political grandstanding. There's a lot of comments people talking about, of course, the pandemic. It's irresponsible to do anything during a pandemic. We shouldn't be doing this. The American people should speak. I saw Amy Klobuchar look at the camera and says, this is not Trump's Supreme Court seat. This is your Supreme Court seat. I don't know if Amy, of course she knows this. Amy Klobuchar knows that the American people do not in a pure democracy vote to nominate a Supreme Court justice. Of course she knows that. Of course she knows that the president was elected, even though he had fewer fewer votes in the popular vote. He won um, you know, in the Electoral College, and that's how presidents are selected. Now, you would think that these so-called constitutional scholars could understand something as fundamentally basic as that. So assuming they actually do, which they do, and they're just trying to mislead you and try to get you riled up, get the American people riled up, that the election was stolen from Hillary Clinton, that Trump should not be making these nominations because the people actually wanted Hillary, and if it wasn't for Putin, this is actually Putin's pick. I'm waiting for somebody to say that. Maybe they did, and I dismissed it. Putin's pick for the Supreme Court. Never know. Never know what they'll say. <clears throat> but this this is the Americans peop- American people's choice through their elected representatives. We have a representative constitutional republic. What is so complicated that, see— This is not about – this is all a facade. This is all a performance. This is all a show. This is a – this is political – this is is like a a debate, if you will. This is political theater, and candidly, it's not even very good political theater. It's not very good political theater. They just want you to believe. They want you to buy into their talking points here. Three weeks away today, three weeks away from election day. They want that they're these the rhetoric that we hear up there in this confirmation process is more, I would say, about trying to sway your vote between now and November 3rd than it is about what what is actually going on, because there is absolutely positively nothing wrong with what's going on. In fact, anybody who has a problem with what Amy Coney Barrett says about the role of the Supreme Court justice just doesn't I don't think understand what this what the role of a justice is because she's exactly 100% right. If Congress doesn't like the way that the Supreme Court rules on on a legal matter, on something brought before it, before the high court, if that is the case, if that is the case, then Congress Assuming that the court actually interpreted the law, then Congress has the authority to change it. Now, if it's a constitutional matter, a constitutional amendment, that's a much higher bar to eclipse. But look, if the American people want these things so badly, whatever it is that the left wants you to believe that Americans want, which is apparently other people's money, I guess— for people to pay for what they want to do in life, no personal responsibility to steal from those who have apparently more than the left thinks that they should, then, of course, to make uh, laws against basic human nature, implement policies and ideologies that run 
contrary to the nature of humanity, things like socialism and the like. But if the American people want these things so badly, then enact them into laws, pass them through the legislative process. Of course, some of them may take this as a personal challenge and try to do that. I'm just simply saying the court isn't the place to do that. Amy Coney Barrett is 100% correct. 100 not 99% correct. 100% correct in her role as she described it yesterday for the uh, for the Supreme Court justices. If you don't like what the law is, then change it. Change it through the process known through, through the through the body known as Congress, the House and the Senate. Change it that way. Don't be writing executive orders. Don't be engaging in judicial activism. Pass it through the Congress. It's funny. Nobody wants to do these things. These folks in Congress want to be – what they're doing during this confirmation process is exactly what they want to do. They want to take to the microphone, do some political grandstanding, the writings on the wall, unless, unless Amy Coney Barrett makes some unexpected, really dramatically big mistake – or that the the left can you know find a kink in the armor and make it look as though it's something massive and super uh, super troubling, then she's going to be confirmed, and they know this. But what they also understand, they look they're looking past this now. They're looking to the election. How can we use this to remind people that Trump is putting people at risk by nominating a Supreme Court justice during a pandemic? Right. Everybody having their masks. Again, whatever about masks, but I've noticed that people have masks on when they're on in front of cameras, even when no one's even remotely close to them. And the reason for that, of course, is to, is to subtly remind you that I've got to wear this mask because Trump is causing death and destruction all across America. Forget that the death rates are plummeting. Forget that this is being treated much, much better than it was early on. Forget all of that. They just want to now tell us the number of people who are who are infected. And remember, as Pence pointed out in the in the vice presidential debates, sixty million people contracted uh, swine flu back in two thousand, whatever it was, two thousand. I want to say nine, whatever the year was. We're still nowhere near that. But just the, the amount of misinformation. I heard someone last night, David Rodham Gergen, as Rush calls him. I was watching CNN, and David Rodham Gergen said 11% of those people at the Florida rally for Trump have COVID. That is factually false. He's confusing. There's 11% positivity rate. So if you take a test in Florida, 11% of the people who take the test test positive. But the people who are taking the test are people who are already sick. These are people who have reasons to believe they might have COVID. So it's 11% of the people who are sick, David Rodham Gergen. It's not 11% of the population. Heck, there's 330 million people. According to his math, we would have already had 33 million confirmed cases. I just looked this morning and it was a little over 7 million. We haven't had 11% of the population be infected by this unless, of course— Unless, of course, they didn't know that they had it, which is, which is possible, but which is not what he's saying. He's saying 11% of the population actively have COVID-19, 11% of the people at the Trump rally in Florida. 
And so these are called now super spreader events and all this sort of stuff. But this is these hearings are as much about those sorts of issues, COVID, you know, uh, just uh, whatever other campaign style rhetoric and speech that they can make this about. Trump using his authoritarian – Trump being an authoritarian to, to push through the nominee and so forth. These hearings are as much about that as they are about Amy Coney Barrett. In fact, if you listen to the conversations happening behind closed doors, I can almost assure you that most of these things are about political talking points, not even about what the justice um, – you know, issues directly pertaining to the justice. Yes, if they can stop her, they will. But this is an opportunity for political grandstanding and to try to get votes uh, for Biden and against Trump. That's what we're witnessing, and I've got to take a break. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. By the way, I should mention that 98% of scientists, 98, that's 1% more of scientists than actually believe man is contributing to climate change. 1% more agree that listening to this program can cause you to lean to the right. So you have been advised this morning. I have given you an appropriate disclaimer Listen at your own risk. If you're operating heavy machinery this morning, be careful. You might find yourself, in fact, veering off to the right. Pay extra attention on the highways and byways across this fruited plain. But look, this nomination, this nomination, I'm reading some tweets here. There's, um, again, the Hollywood crowd, writer, comedian, Sarah Cooper, I don't even know who these people are, folks. Maybe I should. Amy Coney Barrett, she tweeted. Sarah Cooper tweeted. Amy Coney Barrett watched Mitch McConnell obstruct Obama's Supreme Court justice nomination eight months before the election, but it is now fine being confirmed while people are voting. I had to say that loudly because it's in all caps. She knows this is wrong and she doesn't care. Vote them all out, writes Sarah Cooper, again, it's a false equivalency. I just, the the willing, just being willingly ignorant about this. There's just, I'm trying to think of a way to explain this. This is so, this is like if you're a husband and a wife. Say, oh boy, which one's going to be which? I don't know. Which one actually is better for a feminist to hear? That the wife is the president or the wife is the Senate? We'll say the wife is the president just for the sake of this. The husband's the Senate. So they agree. They're, They're trying to work something out. They have a responsibility to their family. And... They both, you know, one of them, let's say that the wife as the president says we should do X. The husband being the Senate would say, I don't agree with, you know, that right now. Let's wait eight months and then we'll make that decision. That's what this is like versus they both agree, hey, 
We need people like Amy Coney Barrett to be a Supreme Supreme Court justice. We need, and, and something in a family setting, we need to get our kid braces. They both agree that with that. We both, you know, need to get our we need to get our kids braces. And they decide to work together at that point and do that. Like, what is so hard to understand about this? There's two groups of people, two, well, one person and the president, and then the Senate, and they have to, they work together. The Senate, the the president just doesn't get to fill it willy-nilly with whomever he wants. Thankfully, by the way, can you imagine... Can you imagine uh, the type of radical leftists we would have on the court at this point if that was the case? The Senate and the president have to agree. Advise and consent is the role the Senate plays. It's not rubber stamp. It's, that's not what it is. The advice the Senate gave Obama in 2016 when he nominated Merrick Garland was, do not give us this nominee. It is our advice that the next president... Give us this nominee. We will not give our consent at this particular point in time. What is so hard to understand about that? What is so hard to understand about that? It is not the job of the Senate to rubber stamp a nominee, especially when you have – when Amy Coney Barrett, how she has described the role of a judge, when you have this clear definition that's spot-on accurate, that is 100% right – and they're against that, then what are they in favor of? If they're against the type of judge, justice serving on the Supreme Court that Amy Coney Barrett described, what are they in favor of? See, they don't want you to know this, just like they don't want you to know if they're court if they're going to court pack when Biden, God forbid, the Harris-Biden administration takes power, God forbid, how Joe and Kamala are going to cure Alzheimer's, how they're going to cure cancer, how they're going to cure diabetes, if and how they're going to cure covid They don't want you to know this. They don't want you to know this. And if they're going to court pack, they don't want you to know these things. Because liberalism operates in the dark. That's where it likes to operate. Liberalism operates in the dark. It operates under phony narratives. It operates under incorrect talking points. It operates using misleading, inaccurate, untrue statements. Liberalism And, of course, it's kissing cousins, socialism, and then, of course, the distant cousin of communism, growing the government, which that's the path. That is the the, the trail. Those are the the cities you would would hit as you moved down the trail towards big government, liberalism, socialism, communism, as you move further towards that. As you move down that path, they require you to be misled and kept in the dark. They, they need you fighting. They need us fighting about things. They need us divided. They need us talking about race. They need us talking about, and I don't mean race shouldn't matter, but they want us divided along race. They want us divided along um, socioeconomic factors. They want us divided on geography, divided upon religion, all these things. Meanwhile, what they're doing behind the scenes is truly atrocious, accumulating power and taking away liberty. And I've got to take a break. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute.
Yes, the left is in a bit of a panic mode. This, of course, is, I still think, they knew that this was coming. They knew that this was coming, this nomination, this confirmation process. They knew it was coming, but they still, again, doing two things here. They're hoping against hope that they can derail this nomination. But I think even more so than that, I don't want to say that they've come to grips with this quite yet because they haven't. They, again, are trying to use it to create more motion, more motion, and to have folks come out and vote against President Donald J. Trump. Again, it's not to vote for Biden. Of course, that's the only alternative, really, um, is Joe Biden. So it's not so much that they're trying to give you reasons to vote for Biden. They're trying to use this to inflame rage, to say that Donald Trump is going to take away women's rights and Amy Coney, Amy Coney Barrett, who's a woman, by the way. I don't know. I heard Patrick, was it Patrick Leahy yesterday during his questioning? It's not questioning. It's just opening statements. She has to sit there and listen to these jokers pontificate about whatever it is that they want to talk about for the moment, usually having nothing to do with her or anything in reality. But she listened to, to Leahy. I swear the guy doesn't know that she's female. He's talking about... You know, the the risk associated with taking away, or excuse me, the risk associated with uh, women losing rights because of Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, he's mansplaining, to take their terms, he's mansplaining to Amy Coney Barrett, a woman, how Amy Coney Barrett is going to take away women's rights. They want to. They want to use this. I'm telling you to to drive out whoever may still not be ready to cast a ballot against Donald Trump, and that's against Trump. It's not for Biden. It is against Trump. That's what they want. That's how they get people to go to vote for Biden. And I'm reading a tweet here from Robert Reich, trying to redefine what court packing means. And this is what he's court packing simply means. That you have more than nine justices on the Supreme Court. That's what it means. They know this. They don't care. They don't live in the world of truth and light. They live in the world of darkness and deceit. This is what he says. Since 1969, Democratic presidents have appointed four Supreme Court justices. Republicans have appointed 15, four of them by presidents who lost the popular vote. McConnell refused to even hold a hearing on Obama's nominee. That's what they're telling you court packing is. The just the truth doesn't matter to these folks. Whatever can help them win elections. I gotta take a break. Sit tight, be back in just a minute. Robert Reich wants to complain about losing elections according to the Constitution, according to the Electoral College, according to the ways that this work, and then have presidents who win elections according to the Electoral College, according to the Constitution, according to the way these things work. He wants to complain about that when those presidents exercise their constitutional authority and power, which includes nominating Supreme Court justices, sending those to the Supreme Court for confirmation. He calls that court packing. Folks, that is deceitful. That is dishonest. That is incorrect. And I've got to go. Music telling me it's time to wrap up for the day. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.